Hello there. Welcome to this episode of Forest Ghost Conversations. This is your host, Anthony King, and this week, along with Mrs. Forest Ghost Conversations, Elise King, we will be discussing the first three episodes from Season 3 of The Bad Batch. Before we get started, I'm inviting you to support Forest Ghost Conversations on Patreon. If you're a fan of the podcast and would like to consider pledging your support, there will be a link in the episode description for you to check out the various tiers offered. Also, please be sure to check out our Tee Public store to buy some Forest Ghost Conversations merchandise. And without further ado, it's time to gather around the campfire for some Forest Ghost Conversations. everybody welcome back to forest ghost conversations and boy is it time to get into our bad batch discussions yes it is sad that this final season is now upon us but we were blessed with three wonderful episodes and of course mrs forest ghost conversations will be here hopefully each and every week to break down all of the amazing goodness that is the bad batch as it is her favorite star wars content um, and uh, just a thrill to have her on the show to share her insights, her opinions, her her uh, thoughts on where the sh- series is going and, and connections to previous past and current canon. Uh, just all this great stuff. And, and uh, I can't wait for you to hear uh, our discussion on the other side of this short, short, well, probably not short, but this this little segment here. But you regular listeners know this segment as cloud city gossip for those who may be joining for the first time this is where we do a rundown of the news in the lucasfilm star wars galaxy that has taken place over the past week or if i've missed a week because i had to pre-record an episode i get to do it all over again with another episode uh, or uh, you know i'll cover everything in in the uh, two-week span or, or three-week span or however many it takes to get to where we're at currently so anyways, to start, The Bad Batch is back. If you haven't seen the episodes yet, what are you doing? Go pause this episode now and go watch it on Disney Plus and then come right back to this podcast because we get full spoiler discussions on the other side of our, well, in our main topic of discussion for the episode today. So yeah, be sure to do that. You've been forewarned at this point. Also, the full season of Star Wars Young Jai Adventures is now on Disney Plus. It is a wonderful show. Uh, age appropriate for all families and set in the high republic era which features a lot of crossover with those stories that we've been talking about here on the podcast um and so if you're a fan of the high republic and you've been reading the books and keeping up with all the comics and side stories and all that stuff this is the show for you don't sleep on it i've heard great things about it i'm slowly making my way through it because i've just got so much to watch right now uh but you can rest assured that we will i have it on my list here we're going to be doing discussions on young jedi adventures very soon here so be on the lookout for that Additionally, this week, we got a cover reveal for Temptation of the Force by Tessa Gratton, a.k.a. the next adult novel, I should say, in the High Republic saga, which arrives on June 11th. So if you want to see that cover and get a little snippet as to uh, what the story is about, be sure to check out the article that is now on StarWars.com. Additionally, uh, March 14th marks the uh, release date for a very wonderful thing in my life which is star wars battlefront the classic collection which will be available for all consoles and pc you get to revisit both star wars battlefront 1 and battlefront 2 which came out i believe in 2004 and 2005 respectively uh, and there's going to be some new maps and frank and frankly the best part multiplayer gameplay for up to 64 people so I will certainly be one of those 64 people, and I hope that you also are able to join in on some of those great multiplayer action sequences and to relive these wonderful games that were such a pivotal part of my fandom back in the day. Finally, there will be a new one-shot comic in celebration of the 25th anniversary of The Phantom Menace. It was written by Greg Pak and will feature revelatory stories set before, during, and after the movie. So look for that on your comic shelves on May 1st. But I got to say, when you use the word revelatory, that gets me excited. So I'm going to be definitely checking that story out. And I hope you will, too. Maybe we can have a chat about it as we celebrate the 25th anniversary of The Phantom Menace this year. With that, folks, that's all the news that I had for this week. We'll be back on the other side of this uh, little, little, little break here with our Bad Batch Season 3 conversation. Stay tuned.
Welcome back, everybody, to Force Ghost Conversations. You know what time of the year it is. It's that time where we gather together and watch, but also celebrate, the Bad Batch. And you know what the worst part is? It's the last time we'll be doing this for the first time, as season three at this point is the end of the Bad Batch story as we know it. We'll never, we'll have to find out what happens in a couple weeks from now to see if there's any future stories with the Bad Batch with that potential outlier out there. But for now, we've got three great episodes to have a full conversation about. And of course, you know we couldn't do this alone. We could not. We had to bring our resident Bad Batch super fan onto the show. And you all know her affectionately as Mrs. Force Ghost Conversations. Of course, this is Elise King. Elise, welcome to the show. I'm back. You're back. For bad bats. You're bad bitch. Yeah, I'm not gonna try. <laughs> You're not even gonna try the uh, uh, Maori New Zealand accent. No, I can never do it. No, no. How are you doing? How does it feel to have the bad batch back in your life? I see you're wearing your Her Universe Bad Batch sweatshirt on, so clearly this is a big moment for you. Yeah, I mean, love to see most of the bad batch. <laughs> Most on screen. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, uh, you technically did get to see all of them on screen. I, I did. I really want the tech flashback. It was in the trailer, and it was in the previously on. They yeah, like they just drove the night. Just in case you all forgot, here's a slingshot of <laughs> adrenaline. Yeah, Dia. It was a knife through the ribs. Um, no, I mean I'd rather have the third <laughs> season of Bad Batch than not have any season. It's just a little bittersweet because I'm still sad. You're still, still sad. sad. You're still getting. You're still haven't recovered from the loss of tech. How and do you recover? How that? do you recover? Is he is he gone? We'll have to find out. I didn't see a body. Oh, you're still on that. There's train? a lot of speculation out there in the oh, fandom. Oh, I'm just gonna like not pin my hopes and dreams. I wouldn't either. That, I wouldn't either. But okay, well, my Ventra- Ventress is somehow in this show. My heart's broken, and I'm just not gonna build it on false hope. So I'm I'm happy to be wrong. Yeah, I'm happy yeah. To be wrong. I got a wild theory, so let's get back to that in a while. Remember the whole tech thing. Okay. Well, I won't forget. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, how could we? Um, yeah, Bad Batch is back. Three episodes. We've got fifteen this entire season. Mm-hmm. How did it feel to have a three chunk episode at once? Do you feel like this is great? Or are you like, wow, that's two more weeks I could have had Bad Batch? (laughs) No, because I feel like it was, I think they've done a great job with Bad Batch in terms of pacing episodes. Mm -hmm. It's like Clone Wars. They're telling mini stories in chunks. Mm -hmm. And that works for this type of format. And it was nice because it gave us the time to really sit with Omega and Crosshair and sit with Hunter and Wrecker. Mm Mm-hmm without having to compromise on story and like trying to cram it in. So I'm, we can talk more on it, but like I'm excited where those uh, stories left off. Cause I was a little afraid you were just going to like be sitting in that facility with Omega Mm, for a while. Should have known. Well, it let it breathe. Um, Yeah, exactly. And and let the reality of their reality sink in. We got to see the, not necessarily like it, w- it would have felt wrong to me if after the events of the last season that they went straight into like the first episode was a new adventure. Like I remember, I think season two episode was like them fending off those crabs from they were stealing something. Yeah. Right. Like the tonally that just wouldn't work going off of what they did to conclude the season and that loss of tech to then be Hunter and Wrecker going on an adventure and having this joyous bombastic time. Like it just, the way that they introduced the season was um, a good tone wise for me. And yeah, I think people would have been like, what the heck is happening? Yeah. No, I think, I mean, they started it how they did in the second season. Cause the gang was together. They mm-hmm. felt whole, they felt relatively safe. Yeah. It was a joyous time for them. <laughs> yeah. Or just like a, a non death following you everywhere time. Which I think it's pretty joyous. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah if enough. that is if your other. If that's the bar, yep, you're right. It was a joyous time. <laughs> and, uh, I want to get your thoughts on just like the tone of these three episodes because I think 
as we kind of see in animation oftentimes, they will start off, you know, first and foremost, these are like kid-friendly shows to a large degree, and they start off kind of, they age it with the audience, right? So now we're at a, a very serious, these three episodes were very serious, right? Like they were, I see like at a tone where they weren't just cracking jokes left and right. Of course, there was still some humor in in these three episodes, but they really felt the gravity of the situation, right? Omega felt her confinement. I mean, the whole episode's called Confined. Crosshair was at his most defeated, I think we've ever seen him at this point. The Empire seems to be at the forefront of this great scientific experiment that has ramifications for the large Star Wars story. Hunter and Wrecker are like, what are we doing? We gotta, we're, we're at a loss here. We're trying to figure out how to find Omega and we're grasping for, for crumbs to find a way to possibly get to her. Like the weight of the situation I thought was laid out well in these three episodes. And I think tonally it matched it. How, how did that come across for you? Well, you just or did I just it. explain it you all? Just wow. it all. Wow. Good you job, good job, host. <laughs> yeah. I I agree with you. I I think I've always appreciated with the storytellers of the Bad Batch is they let the story first, come first rather than these like to me the the let the story come first instead of saying like this is a kid show we have to yeah. stick with these situations. No, the story went where the story went, and they let the tone match that. Um, I thought it was really interesting, like, especially when the Empire or the Emperor was in episode three and they're talking about the necromancer, like the tone also felt very similar to those scenes in, it wasn't Ahsoka, oh, uh, Mandalorian mm-hmm. season three, mm-hmm. like where they having these conversations. The Shadow Empire conversation, yeah. yeah. Like, that, that felt very similar in tone for mm-hmm. me, which I think makes it means just they're doing their job and establishing like the enemy right that is a very like strong tone that star wars keeps throughout the entire Mm storyline um so yeah i mean they did what they had to do they didn't like say oh omega's a kid no she's a kid in an adult situation dealing with really hard stuff (laughs) um well let's start with um omega and obviously this first episode of this season is very much omega centered What do you, I mean, obviously she's struggling with the loss of tech and then now being in this new situation, but how did you feel like Omega was handled in this first episode here? Um, I don't want (laughs) to pose my thought on you, so I'll let you you go first here. How was your reaction to Omega handling this situation? Yeah, um, it was, I think, appropriate. Appropriate's not a good word. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think Omega has handled text. I don't Mm -hmm. think she's struggling with it. Mm -hmm. She's in a survival. I mean, I think she's sad. She's missing her family. We didn't see her like actively struggle with text death. Mm -hmm. I know she's feeling it, but she is in a do or die situation. She's in a survival mode. And in that mode, you're not processing. You're not grieving. Mm -hmm. You're trying to survive. I very much got... A hunter vibe from her i think they made it clear in the second season mm. that they're similar she's great at strategy um she can kind of like read a situation and find the right solution pretty quickly and i think that's what she was doing here like keeping her eyes out like open ear to the ground stuff like that um and so to me i i just saw i saw hunter i saw hunter's mm. influence on her and i was impressed that she could handle the stress of being in that situation as well as she did considering her age. It definitely shows like growing up on Camino helped her with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also nice to see that she still maintained like her Omega-ness by like befriending that creature, yeah. that, like the hunters. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're called. Um, well, let's call them Tantus hounds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, yeah. The hounds. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if they really mentioned what, they, what their species are actually. Okay. Um, yeah, those hounds. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, reaching out to Crosshair again and again and again. Like, that's mm-hmm. very Omega. So it was admirable <clears throat> she could keep that in such a, a dark time. Yeah, um, that's what I was going to say, frankly, was that whole last bit there. She didn't lose herself, which, mm-hmm. you know, would be understandable if she became a shell of herself 
in this confinement situation, everything stripped away from you. Basically, you're uh, you're a pawn existing so that another pawn is forced to do the work. <laughs> yeah. I think it just I think that that stays in who she is because she has absolute faith. Mm-hmm. Her family is looking for her. Yeah. Her brothers are coming. Yeah. She's going to make it as easy as possible to, for her, them to find her. But I don't, I think she's never lost that faith. Well, I think, yeah, she's fully believing that they're out there, but I think she also never gave up hope that she couldn't find her own way out too. Yeah, that's true. I think that shows her learning from Hunter tech wrecker echo that she has the ability, like she's over the two seasons, we've seen her pick up on the traits as you notice. And she was like, I haven't found it yet, but I will find a way out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, she she had, she never lost faith in herself. Yeah, she's like, I'll find a way out and then we'll get back to like, yeah. <laughs> we're not fully reliant on them coming and rescuing us. She's uh, often like how people like to think of like when Leia's in the cell block in the Death Star, right? People are like, oh, Luke Skywalker comes in and rescues her. And a lot of people are like, no, Leia's probably in there thinking of how she can get out herself without having to rely. She's not expecting anybody to walk in through that door. She only has herself to yeah, <laughs> rely on. That. Yeah, so I, I, I think that's a nice kind of Star Wars poetry <laughs> yeah, in a way. That's a good way uh, of seeing it. And uh, the adverse of that, though, is Crosshair has almost lost his entire self. Uh, and how did you feel about seeing almost a dog beaten down. <laughs> uh, I don't think almost. I think it was yeah, he was, he was entirely, entirely beaten down, that's for sure. <laughs> I think they, I remember in one episode <clears throat> them saying that like Crosshair was showing like resistance to reprogramming or retraining. Yeah, they said that in, these, in one, one of these three episodes. So um, it shows that like he's still who he is. But I kind of think he believes he deserves to be where he is. Mm. Mm. I think he doesn't like himself right now. Mm. And it's not just like this place beat him down, but he truly believes he was where he should be. Mm. Mm. Um, And like Omega was kind of carrying that faith in him for for him. Yeah, he's carrying for both of them. (laughs) But it was... um, so. As someone who like never connected to Crosshair, like I wasn't like he's the most, he's the coolest and whatever. I, I was just, I felt for him. They do a good job of like really making you feel for him, even if he's not your favorite. Yeah. And especially in episode, the third episode of this, where you start to see him like shake, almost like a Tom Hanks and Saving Private Ryan. Not only is he a fragment mentally of his former self, but that's in some way it's affecting his natural ability or his inherent enhanced ability to be a sharpshooter. <laughs> yeah. Like if he doesn't have that, then who is he? Yeah. Who is, what who is Crosshair? Does he even have? Yeah. And then a lot of the story is about learning what are we beyond what our original I hope so. story is. And hopefully we get to see him continue. <laughs> I'm, I was really happy to see their, their like escape situation where mm-hmm. they did like plan 72 where they overtake yeah. the empire hangar yeah they take overtake the ship yeah while they're being distracted yeah <laughs> and that was fun to see them working together because like she is him at a younger age in terms of like learning all of the mm-hmm. plays and you know learning how to react instinctively and off the cuff and stuff like that. So I thought that was fun. It was nice to see him like back as working in a team. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was sad for a while. Yeah. It's, it's like the, um, what could have been right. Seeing her, her and him interact in this way and being on a mission together. Yeah. What was taken away from us as fans because of order 66 and the chip working and then crosshairs choice afterwards. but it is nice that like they're gonna go on a mini adventure together Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. omega had all her moments with the other bad batch characters in season two and now she's getting her season three and um i think it's always nice when you see characters like come together in darkness because it makes it easier to step out right together we were um more so introduced in this episode this first episode i will say to Omega's sister, Emery Carr, 
It was one of the doctors or boring people were boring. You thought she was boring. <laughs> For, like being right about who she was and feeling so vindicated. Mm. I was just like, oh, she's so boring. She's exactly who she should be as a character. It's not a slight on the show. I was just like, I think you're boring. I, I, I think, yeah, the reveal almost got us more excited than the actual actions of the character thus far. Like, Oh, there's a, there's they clone girls. <laughs> there are girl clones too. This is an older Omega, basically. Like this is what she's gonna look like when she's older. Yeah, I I guess I was like, oh, this will be interesting because if she's like Omega, like they're quote unquote defective. They had something in them that's special, that's not so beholden to orders. And she's just like so either brainwashed mm-hmm. or conditioned, mm-hmm. you know, conditioned, obviously. It's not her fault. But I was just like, oh, this character is, I don't know what it, in my brain, I was just like, I thought it would be more. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Yeah, you were just kind of, expect, ex, your expectation was like. I think I was so high from being right. <coughs> that the, I always had to come down. Well, I think it was, it was honestly a big reveal because canon wise, we'd never known that Yeah. there were other clones. I mean, Omega was a big reveal and that has seemed to pay off thus far that mm-hmm. her existence is something but then the fact that they utilize that geno code i thought that that would have a bit more ramification so far mm-hmm. um yet to be seen yeah maybe there's maybe like i'm curious of like if omega's blood works why doesn't her blood work that's a great question well maybe it's because they need the original replicate like like she omega's actually older than this maybe woman? them having probably yeah from the aging process, yeah them having the enhanced aging is probably why they can't I'm, i mean i'm, I'm just speculating here as yeah. to why the m count the midichlorine count can yeah, <laughs> transfer like over was but she's a pure template. copy template yeah. yeah and then this woman was copied yeah i mean that that would make sense otherwise or like they took omega and then like readjusted to be less less i guess i i'm curious while um why lama su nalase nalase lama su was the uh uh the um like the prime minister yeah, okay. of camino that namaste. they that they kill yeah like namaste like namaste but nalase but na- nalase yeah <laughs> like nala from line okay all right sorry guys um i wonder why she always knew omega would be like the key it just like was she created to be the key that's interesting here's the baffling well obviously they had no idea i don't think they had any implication as to what this would be i mean who knows what uh, the but who Cam- knows frankly and um, the kaminoans i guess my thing is like my expectation this is maybe where my like i i it's wild to me that the only reason they captured omega was to get nala say to work for them rather than I thought in my head they already knew her importance <laughs> and that's why they needed her but it's wild to me that they didn't recognize I mean it's truly an empire thing that they would see they would have what was in front of them and then miss it like again Alea being trapped right there right a pure force sensitive daughter of Anakin Skywalker right there yeah and couldn't even sniff it Vader's two feet away from her and can't even recognize his own flesh and blood yeah I mean it's <laughs> It's you're right. It's such an empire thing, and it made me laugh because I was like, "If you're taking this girl's blood every day, and no one is noticing that no it's not being recognized, that it, it, yeah, it's not getting in the, the record. <laughs> it's just like showing bureaucracy s- still hinges on people, yeah, and processy will always like disguise people's treachery, right. even if it's for good. And right. I was just saying, I was like, "What? Just." oh my gosh, like what an empire thing. Because you would think they would sit there and be like, why is she so, like, why is Nala say so connected to Omega? Yeah, why is she attached to? And they're probably just like, oh, what a weakness. It's because she's a little girl and like she just got She connected. grew up together, yeah. And some of it's love. I would, I, but I think also some of it's you fools. <laughs> It's love and it's their, it's their, their scientific achievements. Yeah. This whole planet that prided them people that prided themselves on cloning techniques 
I guess I'm selling not let's say short. I think she legitimately loves Omega. Yeah. But to just think like why to not think like why would these people who pride themselves on scientific achievement not get rid of a girl or like just keep a girl as a lab tech. Mm. Yeah, and and spend so much time trying to keep her and like rein her in. <laughs> yeah, like think through it, man. But uh, I mean, to our benefit, they didn't because they're greedy and bloated and full of themselves and uh, too busy to think through. Yeah, it's so funny that I I, I saw a tweet um, in the last day here, and I didn't share it because I wanted to wait till this podcast moment to share it with you because I thought it was super funny. Was that um, someone made the? I don't know exactly who, so I can't attribute the person that tweeted this, but they're like, it's so funny that the the key to completing project necromancer was thwarted by Nala says quiet, quiet quitting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all quiet it, all quitting. it took was her quiet quitting to stop the empire from achieving their backup plan in case the empire, the emperor dies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Workers unite. All quiet quit. Yeah. We could, you can, you never underestimate the impact that you can have through quiet quitting. <laughs> yeah, that's well, also insane. another quiet quitter in a way is Galen Urso by putting the, yep. the conveniently putting in the way for the Death Star to be destroyed in the system. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the Empire has been constantly thwarted by people quiet quitting. <laughs> and then the Republic like loses itself and loses the war eventually because of like their own bureaucracy. Ambitions and overachievers and yeah. bureaucracy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, anarchy. anarchy. We must. <laughs> we must become anarchists. That's what I'm getting here. Before we get to the uh, necromancer of it all, I wanna, do want to talk about that second episode for a little bit here uh, where we're more focused on Hunter and Wrecker, who we don't really see in the first episode at all. Yeah. And it's called Paths Unknown, and it it involves them checking out this lead, basically. Peter Pan and the Lost Boys. Basically, yeah. um, Where they find find Dr. Hemlock's old working facility before he got promoted (laughs) to now Mount Tantus and overtook uh, Rampart's projects out there. Mm-hmm. any thoughts uh, off uh, off the cuff on on that episode particularly? Just made me sad. Yeah. Just made me sad to see two of them. It struck me when you said that, like, oh, it's just two of them. Oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think that. I was expecting someone else to be like at least three of them, but no, it is just a, no, a duo. It's just sad. Uh, I mean, yeah, I was just like, man, for a group of men that always had each other, only had each other. Mm-hmm. Because the clones thought they were weird. You know, then they were on the run. And they're just, one's in prison. One left voluntarily and became an enemy. One died. And one left to, like, because he needed to feel like he had to do something bigger. It's just sad. Mm -hmm. I I think that made me more sad than even Crosshair. Just because, I mean, I was glad they had each other. Um... I liked the episode with the kids. I thought that was cute. I will say I like want to see Hunter unleashed. Mm-hmm. Like he's always been so tightly controlled. He's pulled back. Yeah, you would think that like the hunt for Omega would like put him. And I think it has. We kind of got a glimpse of that in mm-hmm. the first part of the episode with. I Like I got that feeling from him when he's talking to the syndicate or whatever. But I think with kids, you're not going to be like that. But I was like, man, if and if any time is for Hunter to just lose it and like go full stealth mode, it would be now. So yeah, a couple of wild things in this episode. So first, uh, there's a group of regs, uh, kid cadets basically that are now older. Yeah, uh, and uh, one of them is voiced by Daniel Logan, who played young Boba Fett in oh, really? Attack of the Clones. Yep, so he's back in the Star Wars fold a little bit. Cool. We saw him at Celebration. He told some funny stories uh, oh, about yeah, his experience. Yeah. And uh, the other two were voiced by, um, unfortunately, I don't know the actor's name off the top of my head. And, and I don't want to clicky clock around on the, on the computer over here to find it out. But is the uh, kid that played um, the basically the lead in Hunt for the Wilder People. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, we loved him. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, and then also in Deadpool 2, and I believe Godzilla versus Kong. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, he's great. Yeah. So I wish I remembered his name, too. A fun, a fun little detail there. We got some new faces in the Star Wars fold, yet a returning face is back in it again. They made me sad, too. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, Lost Boys kind of vibe. They're, thri- they're surviving in this hellish landscape. But also, they were born, talk about being born for a purpose and then never being able to do that purpose. Well, even then, it just, like, is another reminder of the implications of the end of Attack of the Clones for the clones. Like, yeah, just it wasn't adults, just, yeah. like, adult soldiers who got decommissioned. It's children the pipeline that they had of future soldiers all those test tube babies like done all these kids who were in training like killed Mm -hmm. it's all pawns like they're all cannon fodder at some level and it's just so sad and it just added another level of sadness man i'm i was sad (laughs) Yeah. yeah it was fun to see wrecker engaging with them though i thought that was cool though and it was nice to see them actually do a mission for once like piloting the ship and they're like oh i've did so many simulations on this like they actually did their programming they felt useful they felt fulfilled in a way that they never had because they actually did what they were intended to do and to make myself (laughs) think more positively i'll say to be dropped off on that beautiful island yeah pabu it's not a a bad existence after what they just went through and that's better than like just fighting your whole life. Mm-hmm. They actually get to have like a full world. It just made me sad oh. for like the whole clone Let's hope. ecosystem. Let's hope the Empire just doesn't come to if Pabu. If comes and destroys Pabu, like I'm over it. <laughs> I will need a break from Star Wars. I will take a break. <laughs> it's a beautiful island. They are protecting children and lost. Until there's another tsunami and it's not even the Empire. And it's just... <laughs> um, I, believe, I refuse to believe it. It's just they a disaster. System, it's fine. Yeah. yeah, fingers crossed. They, they learn their lesson from Safe last time. Secret corner of the galaxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until Sid rats them out or something like that. Okay, you're ruining. I'm it. ruining you're it. Ruining I know. Every situation I'm trying to think of. Yeah. Well, it's Star Wars. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> they don't call it war for nothing in the uh, title. Um, the other cool thing about this episode, I thought, was how just the pulpy nature of that like vine creature you really liked the like alien aspect of yeah yeah it had that alien kind of that whatever sea monster is in the fellowship of the ring too with the tentacles thing it reminded me if <laughs> the kraken if you would have gotten to that part of the video game of the two towers <laughs> you would have cut off the the limbs i would have uh, never made it so. <laughs> that's a uh, an internal joke for us here in this household uh, for the listeners at home. Games, I'm very bad at it. I'm very bad. Elise has uh, told me that she never got past the opening sequence of the uh, attack of the Two Towers video game. Uh, <laughs> uh, one day, one day, maybe you'll get through it. No, I won't. I've tried it for years. That's not gonna. Happen. You, you can restart it, Danny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it did. It, it's just nice to again. There was some humor in, in, infused in that section. There, Wrecker was almost eaten like four times. That man is his armor. I saw in this sequence in this episode. I would say, I should say, more scars and scratches on yeah, it. They were rough. <laughs> they haven't uh, cleaned their armor in quite the time, or at least gotten an upgrade, mm-hmm. which showcases that the time that has actually passed since Omega has been captured. And how hard they've been! Like, I, I bet they've just done mission after mission after mission to try and get the information. Yeah, to get that need. information. Yeah, right. Do you think? I get. Eh, they they were at Mount Tantus when they got Gregor out, um, and I think was it season two, season two I believe. Is they that got, the same place? That's the same place where Omega's currently at. You oh. think it's surprising that they didn't think to go back there. I didn't even remember that connection, but yeah. honestly, one. There's so much space. And there's yeah, they're so like, much how could lightning strike twice? That's probably my. <laughs> it's just. And it's a very secret base. I, I think it's like, it's like asking them to remember a needle in a haystack. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the only thing I could think of where I was like, hmm. I know I probably would have retraced my steps if I could. <laughs> how many secret empire bases are there? Mm, probably a billion. But, <laughs> you know, I don't know, probably would have 
I don't know. I'm just speculating here. I probably would have done what they're, they're doing. Try to follow the leads that you can, like the actual tangible things rather than following what your experience was and all that. It's an interesting point. Like, yeah, I didn't even remember that they were the same place. Mm-hmm. So it's a little interesting then that they would be like, we have to keep this base secret if it's been exposed. Well, I think Rampart was in charge of it at that time. And now that he's gone... Yeah, but the empire, the emperor was like, we must keep this base secret. And you're like, I don't think Rampart had it in his report. Right? It's one of those deals where, oh yeah, one of the, you don't want to look bad on your on your record when you're trying to get promoted. I mean, you saw Hemlock at the end being like, and when I get promoted to chief absolute scientist, whatever you want to call it, of the imperial regime, then I'll be able to finally get to Project Necromancer and complete it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's Omega and and crosshair are off now so i guess it doesn't matter mm-hmm. yeah that, that's a good callback i totally forgot well i mean yeah it's irrelevant now but that was kind of a thought going through my head as they were making their way around yeah that's a good point <laughs> around and uh got to see that whole syndicate at the beginning of that episode too calling back to the earlier season when yeah uh, i liked that um they took over um, I love the Sid's prime office. part of the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah. It's really interesting. It gets sprinkled here and there, right? You see it a bit in Solo. You get a lot of it in Clone Wars. And now, yeah. now this way, it's, it's good. I'm waiting to see like a mall appearance one of these days. Like, where's Crimson Dawn? I need to hear the words Crimson Dawn out there. That would be cool. That would be really cool. I, I feel like they're keeping it in the, their back pocket. I need Maul, right a young Kira. <laughs> yeah, that would be really interesting. I don't know if Bad Batch is the place for it. Bad Batch is the place for everything. I feel like um, Boba Fett would be more of a place for it. That'd be great. Well, you heard it here first, guys. I'm going to do the second season of Book of Boba Fett. Maybe we can get more Kira content. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's get over to Necromancer and just that whole third episode, Shadow of Tantus now. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit, Omega and Crosshair Escape, and they utilize plan 72 in order to to escape and then finally um emery finds out that she's able to process the blood omega's blood sample Mm -hmm. and through that they're able to see that it's a direct transmission of m count yeah using her blood m count being midichlorines (laughs) why do you love saying that word so much as a fan of the prequels and someone that adamantly defended them and the person that is like, I understand what they're doing with midichlorines. I've just seen Star Wars storytelling since 2010 adamantly make, take steps to not say the word midichlorine. Wait, why is it like a big deal? Because people, well, because that was like how people, that's how the Jedi Council determined if you had like enough midichlorines to utilize the force. No, I know that. Oh, okay, like, why is it... Why is it important that they say the you word? You said, like, it was controversial. Oh, yeah, because people didn't like that. They didn't like the concept of midichlorines. They didn't like the like the the force being explained to them. So when, like, The Phantom Menace came out, that was the, some of the biggest... Um, well, among many things that people didn't like about that movie at the time, uh, that was one of the, the bigger things was that they didn't want the mystery of the force explained that you could have an X amount account. And that means now you can utilize the force and stuff like that. Oh man, people, if you all still have that opinion, I have to say you should read the high Republic books. They don't talk about midichlorians, but they do talk about how the Jedi become a bureaucracy. Yes. It's, it's all there. cataloging everything. And it's just like, you see it happening yeah, the Jedi were a bureaucracy. Menace, like it's a, it's a giant bureaucracy. I hate to bring it to you. Government. They're going to yeah. definitely have someone counting to like quantify the force. And look, they're going to have to because not they can't take in every kid across the known galaxy. There needs to be a cutoff. <laughs> I mean, I think it's an interesting point of like, especially now, even with Ahsoka and Sabine of like, I bet there are a lot of Force-sensitive people. It's just to what degree. Yeah. And and Ahsoka said, no natural talent plays a factor. That's why Sabine struggles, because she probably has the lowest midichlorine count ever. Yeah. But everyone has midichlorines. It's just how many yeah, make it easier to access to the, the force. force. Yeah. yeah. That's like Qui-Gon explains it. It's a symbiotic relationship between the midichlorines and the force. Like, it's 
So it's all amazing theoretical stuff that George Lucas was playing with, and then just people just found out, right? Like, I don't like that. I don't like being explained to. Well, if you don't like that, then you don't like Necromancer, I guess. Yeah. So, and, and just basically, that's my thing is that they haven't said the word since, oh. the, since like season three or something like that of the Clone Wars. And I'm just like, just say it, you cowards. Say it. Have the, oh, have the guts to say it. Wow. I didn't realize this was such a thing. I mean, for someone who had no idea that that controversy existed, mm-hmm. um, I saw it as like, who day in and day out in the office wants to say midichlorian? This guy. I, <laughs> no. You know it would always be shortened to M count. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I mean, that's a smart... We talk in acronyms. Yeah. It is government. I work with the government. We, we only talk Everything in acronyms. Everything is acronyms. <laughs> Everything is an alphabet soup so of acronyms. I, I saw it as like, yeah, at work, you're going to shorten that word. So mm. the long word mm. say. Okay, that is a very... I'm glad that you mentioned that because that does make a ton of sense. <laughs> I thought it was a cop-out to I mean, maybe please so. people that they didn't say the word, yet they everyone knew what they were saying without actually saying it. Oh, if that's the case, I would tell Lucasfilm that people are going to be angry over whatever. Because then they started saying things like, oh, they're force sensitive, rather than saying, like, oh, they have a midichlorian count that's high. (laughs) Tomato, tomato. It's like, oh, because they're like, they don't say the word midichlorian in the original trilogy, so it's not valid. It's not a thing. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. Obi-Wan didn't say a lot of stuff to Luke. <laughs> the world between worlds didn't exist in the original. Does like, there's a whole lot. Real? There's a whole lot that doesn't exist. <laughs> Anywho, um, I love side over. I love that you know this show. Not that anyone needs a reason to watch it beyond that. It's just great, awesome, and good character development of the clones and a continuation of a lot of Clone Wars stories. Do you feel it's validated because of a bigger connection? I don't think that, but I think a lot of people need the need a larger connection in order for them to have that. Why should I watch this? And now they have that. They're like, okay, it'll explain episode nine. It's in a convincing way. them to watch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is sad that they needed that. Yeah. But I'm happy that they're willing to do that in this show like they believe in it enough that it has the the foundation that it can handle such a big plot point and a reveal for the star wars story in this that it makes it essential yeah it's it's interesting because like i find this storyline kind of boring like i like seeing the emperor on Mm, screen interesting okay he's always so fun deliciously evil yeah as you would say deliciously (laughs) evil um i think that's fun so if there's a reason for that cool um i guess i was more interested in like the necromancer stuff from mandalorian because i was more interested in like the shadow government Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like the political machination like machinations machinations tomato tomato okay um, the political maneuvering mm. behind the scenes and like where all these traitors were, how they were communicating and like they were talking about Necromancer, but I thought like that whole system was more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, how, how can the new Republic let, just let this slide? Yeah. That <laughs> was more interesting to me than like Palpatine, I guess. Cause like we know where it ends. It ends with episode mm-hmm, nine, mm-hmm. but I not to all this to say I still want to know what's in that tank. They didn't show what was in the tank in the episode. Yeah. Well, I mean it's probably a failed Palpatine clone. It could be Snoke. I wanna see it. I wanna I mean, see it. It could that. be Snoke, it could be Ray's dad. Yeah. Ooh. It could be Dathan. Like they're gonna do all that kind makes of makes ex- that more interesting to me. All of them are failed Palpatine experiments. Yeah. It's just It'd be interesting to now that would be interesting, like his son's origin, son, quote unquote, his Snoke's origin. That's interesting to me. Palpatine trying to keep himself alive and like it working. That's not interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it's not interesting to me. I guess because like every leader in every book I've ever read that's evil always tries to <laughs> keep himself well, they, alive. They're afraid of losing their power, which yeah. is dying. <laughs> yeah, so I mean. Okay, that makes it more interesting now if it's like, oh, we would get to see the failed experiments and like how they impact The struggle, because obviously it's not great. Like, no. Dathan doesn't have the force. No. <laughs> uh, 
Snoke doesn't look a whole lot like Palpatine at all. It makes Ray more interesting now that I think about it. Okay, I'm a little more interested. Now See, it's it's really it. it's it's doing a great job of connecting these larger well, stories. Well, it's helping me see the implications. Yeah. I guess I was just like, well, we know it succeeds, so like, why is that interesting? But the how the how is cool. Okay. Well, and, and, and it's not going to succeed too because they're still working on it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's enough to like keep him alive it, or some somehow, of him. somehow, some unnatural like this is the unnatural thing is that like <laughs> it's that's the whole point it's like yeah that's why i love good storytelling where they foreshadow him the very beginning. prolonging life unnatural it's so unnatural like until he steals the life force from ray and and ben that he's gangly and hanging up against like a this crane basically to to be pumped with all these fluids to keep alive you know what i think of that sometimes and it to like make him less scary What's that? i think of him like <laughs> being hung on a hanger and he's like kind of I mean, just, just kicking hang- his feet yeah around. yeah yeah he's just like a hook on the back of his shirt and he's yeah. just you come back here kids like some charlie chaplin like comedy oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like some three stooges bit yeah i just <laughs> Come over here, I'll get you. If you take away the horror of it, it's kind of hilarious. Mm-hmm. But yeah, okay, that's it's more interesting now when I think about that. I'd like to see the failed experiment. And and obviously the emperor is so like you have all the resources at your disposal to make this possible. <laughs> you know, and Hamlet's voice. I wish he wasn't evil, but it so nice. But he's very evil. He's he's also super evil. I would call him delicious. He is evil. also deliciously evil, but there's <laughs> When Palpatine's on screen, especially when it's Ian McDermott voicing him again, there's just something about that voice, that figure, just walking around. And you're like, "All right, this is this is serious. Get Can I serious." Just say, that's excellent storytelling and like great character development. That a character, no matter if in such an evil character where like presence is important, to have yeah, that come across yeah. on screen via animation is so good. Yeah. Yeah. So like this, and then in season two, when he comes out um, mm-hmm. at, at the Senate building and he's like, we must remove all the clones. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> you feel that like that when him just rising up from the bowels of the Senate Yeah. or even when he, in that first episode of bad batch, when they're showing the, the speech he makes in revenge of the Sith is like, we're the first galactic empire. Yeah. Like you feel that too. You it's feel just, it's so good. That presence is just incredible. That's incredible. so, so good. Yeah. So necromancer. It's, so you're super excited. I'm very excited. I, I was calling this. You remember? Uh, oh yeah. Like yeah. when we were talking about season two, I was like, I think this is going to have some wider implications here. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> and now that we're actually seeing the fruits of it come to pass, I think it's great. And I hope it makes people, we have a very high opinion in this household of episode seven, eight, and nine. Yeah. And to a large degree, a lot of people out there have varied opinions on those films, whether yeah. they like a few of them or they really hate one of them. To where, you know, it, I hope it allows people to rewatch those with a different lens that allows them to say, okay, I, I like this a bit more now. I see where they were going. The seeds were there always <laughs> for yeah, this. I think I think we have enough Star Wars storytelling now to just understand that they they leave holes for a reason. Mm-hmm. Not to say every story is perfect. Yeah. There's nothing that could be improved. That's not true. We're human. Look at the prequels. They had a whole every, yeah. seven series show to help explain a yeah. lot of stuff. But I think we've learned <laughs> like Star Wars does tip of the iceberg storytelling mm-hmm. and they go back and fill in the gaps using various mediums. Yeah. And it's just like, it's not only to like help fill in the gaps in your brain, but also to like add depth and and complexity to stories. Mm-hmm. You can't do that in a two hour film. Yeah, you exactly. have to do that over various shows. So for me, I'm getting enough Star Wars content I'm very happy with that I'm just gonna have faith that if I don't get all the answers I want now, it's not like they don't have it's brilliant It's not like you're gonna have 40 working. years of the future more ways yeah. to explain it <laughs> it's a great implication for the future mm-hmm. of like just how much more storytelling is there to go a mm-hmm. lot and it's given creators like Filoni a chance to blossom and like we wouldn't have that if you were like we have to do x type of storytelling yeah. so 
yeah, I mean, I'm just so happy that we get characters to love and have great storytelling that not only is good for that show, but also like makes other things rewatchable mm-hmm. in a new way, in mm-hmm. a new experience. Right, right. Beautifully said, beautifully said. I will also, just for the, you know, as a recommendation to the listeners at home, if you haven't, maybe this is your push to in, in investigate into that story as well, is the book Shadows of the Sith by Adam Christopher, which I would say is almost essential Star Wars reading at this point. It, it, he describes it as episode 6.5, which is a story that takes place between uh, Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, which showcases Luke and Lando basically running into Ray's parents and helping stash them away on no Jakku. Ja- really. Yeah, yeah. And and talking about and, and Ochi of Bastoon, the guy that's trying to hunt them down that eventually kills them, right? Like having all the stuff with Luke and all it fascinating. Really wow. fascinating stuff. And you find out with like the like you don't find out about the Emperor the Is there an audiobook? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely and the audiobook is really good too. That's how I listen to it. It's like 40 hours long it's really it's really great and it's again i I keep saying the word delicious the evil is it's so deliciously good of a story right like you want to learn about these details and these finer bits and that helps to really talk about palpatine and the cloning and all that whole process um raise parents how like just it is everything in the sequel trilogy gets explained a bit more in detail of the thought processes and reasonings behind things that's interesting um so, it is, it yeah. is cool, though, that or like it is puzzling to me that they're starting this now right after episode three, basically, or a couple of years mm-hmm. after, and they're still having conversations like into the New Republic. Mm-hmm. Like this is a theme throughout and like a storyline that's still playing out and things like that. So, I mean, super. Yeah. Well, it's, just, it's super <laughs> rich. There's just a lot of stuff you can do with it. And it makes sense too, right? Like the, the empire just starts. I'm not losing my power. I need to, <laughs> I need to find a way to secure this empire as soon as I can. He was always thinking ten I need, steps ahead. I need fifty thousand clones of me to live forever. Yep. <laughs> I am not losing this power whatsoever. Nothing is going to stop me. Which makes sense because he's like, I don't want an apprentice. Apprentices kill the masters eventually. I want. I want, a, want, I want loyal. Well, and he got Vader. Vader. And you know you Not get until he didn't. You get rid of well. He didn't think that Luke, the, ma- the apprentice did kill him. He didn't think that Luke and Noah and Leia were yeah. things, and like that's the real fault of them is not mit- not recognizing the things that were under. Again, we talked about this before. The Empire not recognizing what's underneath their noses. Mm-hmm. But, but when you're a big bureaucracy like that, it is those little details that slip through. It's why Obi Wan's able to walk out of the Inquisitor's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, base basically with a trench coat over Leia yep, exactly. <laughs> and no one notices a thing. Um, but it, again, it, it, awesome that, you know, that they're making things that when you think about it and you think through history and all that stuff, the storytelling that they're doing just makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. It just makes sense. And it lines up thematically with what Lucas was saying from the beginning, where it's like bad people are evil <laughs> and they will do things to retain their power and evil. <laughs> yeah, and that's and if you're like looking at like myth and the creation of myth and lore and storytelling, like that's the archetype. Yeah, it's central yeah. to all that. There's a lot of deliciously evil <laughs> people out there mm-hmm. uh, throughout storytelling and history. Uh, Voldemort being another example, right? That unnatural lifelong yeah. process. Yeah, fear of death. Fear of death is another thing. Yeah, that, you know, fear is the path to the dark side. You're fearing a lot of stuff. Um. Do you ever think we'll get a Palpatine origin story? Well, honestly, yeah, at this point, I do. Yeah. I do. Well, they're, the logistical thing of they're going to need content eventually yeah. for Star Wars. I think the Acolyte is going to be where the seeds are laid for Palpatine. Oh. It's in the waning days of the High Republic. It's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but I believe it's set 100 years before The Phantom Menace. Yeah. So Palpatine's master, Darth Plagueis, could easily be in that show. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and that's the point of the show is to see how we get the Phantom Menace, how the Sith yeah. reemerge, how they get to that point. And eventually at some point, a younger Palpatine could 
pop into the show, or at least we see his master Plagueis, and we see the ideology that eventually is transmitted to Sheev Palpatine. Yeah, I would love to see a Palpatine origin story, just because um, Tales of the Jedi with Dooku. Oh, great point. Was so interesting and made Dooku like it was so. It's so complex how someone usually falls mm-hmm. to the dark side. Mm-hmm. Anakin's story is wildly complex. Dooku's is complex. Like simple, but also complex at the same time. Yeah. It's understandable how they get there, which is hard. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love to see like, was Palpatine just always pure evil incarnate? Mm-hmm. You know, we. I think most people like to think it's all about choice. It's not like you're born evil, mm-hmm. but... There are also people in the world that would convince you otherwise. So hey, hey maybe maybe he totally was. So is was if he was just born evil, okay. But like, how did he like get his yeah the powers and connect with Darth Plagueis? Like, was there a seduction there? Did they just join up? And he always knew he wanted to kill. Him? Like mm-hmm. that, those are questions that are interesting to me. Although I don't envy the actor who has to step into Ian McDermott's shoes as a younger person to play him because he is so excellent. <laughs> Yeah, I really don't envy that. And it had to be an A-lister because they're not just going to give it to somebody to carry a show and to carry a t- name and title like that. I wish, in my opinion, that if they were to cast a young Ian McDermott, that they would do the same thing that they did to cast Ian McDermott and to look to British stage <laughs> yeah. for that, an actor with like that gravitas to do three-hour performances six nights a week. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, that I think would be the right one. No, yeah, I, I think- don't think they'd do that. At that point, <laughs> but, I don't know. I think with characters that are that important, you just have to wait till you find the right character, like the right actor. Because if, if it's just to have the name and he's not good. Yeah, they got, well, they're not going to settle until they find a great one. But I think they need to show, they need to have someone to like, oh, someone I know is in this. I'm going to watch oh, the, the casual viewer. I think they'll need a bit more mm-hmm. of a, a pull for that. Again, makes me excited. But again, a plug for the Acolyte, which I hear is coming out this summer. No way, really? Yeah. Oh. This is about time to see a young Vernet, or not a young, but an old Vernestra Rowe <laughs> in that mm. show. Uh, maybe a Buryaga? Maybe. Maybe. We don't know. Well, <laughs> is he alive? Is he? Is he? <laughs> we, I haven't read all the books. Don't say anything. We'll see. You'll see. You, yeah, you got a whole stack of higher publics in there. Uh, and maybe a Shadow of the Sith now. You've <laughs> you've been you've been intrigued as to the necromancer. Yeah. Um, I did. I, I have two questions here, and and one that goes back to that tech thing I was mentioning here at the earlier. I got a theory. You know, walk with me on this one here. All right. Again, we didn't see a body. Okay. They did mention. I can't remember if it was episode three or episode one. It was somewhere in the Tanta sequence where they were like, "We have." successfully tried to convert like transmit an M count, but it mm-hmm. hasn't been so like we tried and it was a low count in this one. Yeah. Do you think they're experiencing on tech? <laughs> like that was the person like they were referring to. Yeah. Like they're just testing on, on him because like maybe he's there. Like, let's take it out on this bad batch guy. That's been a thorn in our oh. side for a while. Let's use him as a Guinea pig. It's interesting you say that because the only way I could see tech being alive. Did Solver leave the the planet? Oh, yeah. I mean, he has to canonically. Because okay. I was like, did he take tech with him? Like if he saw him fall or something, but I think he was already gone. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he was preoccupied and left and he wasn't going back for a, yeah. <laughs> a fallen guy. Yeah. I guess the only way. I could Unless see he him, fell right at his feet. Yeah. The only way I could see him being alive is what you like, is if he somehow didn't get absolutely crushed like a water. Yeah. Line. There's like barely any of him. Like he was just like one breath away. Yeah. And they and, scalvaged and him. The um, Prior came and like saved him because they wanted to. Like he's our property. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of that theory, it's the most logical to me and like the most feasible. It make me want to punch all of them in the throat. Yeah, like how dare you? Oh, and like for Omega and like 
cross here to learn that tech was there. Like, oh my God. Um, yeah, we left him behind. <laughs> at that point, I'm like, do I wish that on tech? Like, <laughs> Just let the guy go. <laughs> but I don't know. I think a big criticism Star Wars has heard over the years is that there's no stakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Yeah, especially Disney Star Wars. <laughs> They've heard that criticism a lot. Yeah, and so I think... I, I don't know how those storytellers wouldn't be aware of that criticism. And not that I want tech dead, but I mean, there is something to be said to when you know, like there's no everyone surviving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It makes all those moments more precious yeah. with the characters. So I don't think, I don't think so. You'll say it's plausible, but you don't think so. Yeah. It's feasible. <laughs> yeah, it's easy, especially if it's a you don't failed want it to happen either. Yeah, you know, and it's just like, yeah, like for what to make to make fans less sad? I don't think that's for good storytelling. Only to make like, yeah, Echo didn't die, but like he spent all those years as a robot now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's. I mean, he's found purpose. He's traumatized forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting idea. Yeah. And now my other question, my last question for you here, does Palpatine come back this season? And if he doesn't come back this season, do we see him at all or hear from him at all? And like, is this the last of Ian McDermott? No. He's so good. They're going to use him as long as they can. Well, he is 80. So is Harrison Ford. I don't think Harrison Ford's doing anything more in Star Wars. No, but I mean, but like, to say, like, age is what would stop Oh, I'm not him. saying age would stop him. I'm just saying, like, we don't know how much... <laughs> I know, but that's why I'm saying they're going to use him as much as they can, I think. Mm-hmm. I think they're probably, like, filming small scenes and, like, getting his voice captured and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we see him again you think season. You think he's in season three still? I'm just like, since this is Bad Batch's last season, I'm so interested to hear where they go next into the dark times. I don't think the stories within the dark times are done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot there. No, no. How does Rex get to be no, just Rex. chomping away at that desert? How's, how's he just jaws in the desert sand? Yeah, it's like <laughs> chasing shark. Like, there's a lot of story there. And I think they know people love these characters. And. Yeah, I think there's more mm. dark time storytelling. More, more and I don't stomach. know how you don't bring in Palpatine for that. Mm-hmm. I will say, I think too that he shows up in season three still. I am going out on a limb here and I hope season two of Andor has a little bit of the. Oh, I forgot there was a the second real, season. The real. There's so much Star Wars. I'm like, what are we getting this year and when and who? Uh, I think just this year it will be obviously Bad Batch uh, will conclude and then Acolyte in the summer. And that should be it. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting as streaming slows down. Streaming is really slowing down. Oversaturated yeah. the market. Um, ooh, Andor would be great, especially since we have so much of Mon Mothma. I would love a Mon Mothma Palpatine just conversation in his office. Yeah. That where she's really cool. like i gotta get out of here i gotta get out of here. like you just feel the tension yeah, on her skin yeah that would be really <laughs> cool i forgot about that yeah i'm also curious what the next animation show will be who knows yeah because i mean they're not gonna stop i hope i hope animation. they don't i hope they don't it's a, you think they will well, they're they're doing Young Jedi Adventures. I don't know if they focus more on That's that. That's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same, and you know it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know what their plan it's a is. Huge I hope. I hope they don't. I love that they do it. I just. I'm not. I don't know. I don't uh, know. If they do, they're dumb. Dumbity dum dum. I would think. I would say it's dumb too, and I think they've built up a great audience for it over the years. And they're certainly with the new films that are coming out, whether it be the Ray New Jedi Order story. Or the James Mangold going back to the Dawn of the Jedi. I mean, they have literally every year to play with of the known Star Wars universe. So, I mean, there's absolutely a place for it. And I hope just Disney recognizes the, the importance of that and to keep the tradition going. That's all I can say on that one. I just don't, I don't have a, <laughs> no, I, I wish I had more of a, belief. I wish I had more of a, like a scoop or something like that, that I've heard someone say like, this show's coming. 
ago. No, like I heard Bad Batch shit a year, a couple years ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll see. We will see. We will see. Well, we've talked through all three episodes. Omega and Crosshair escape. The Empire is obviously not going to let them go too far without trying to track them down. Does the Empire get to them first or do they get reconnect with... Uh, I thought you said that was my last question. Well, uh, <laughs> I lied. <laughs> does Hunter I don't know. What do you and Re- think? does Hunter and Wrecker? I don't know. I got to think that they get captured again. Interesting. Okay. I got to think that they get captured again. I think they connect and they know that they're still alive and they probably say there's a rendezvous spot and maybe they, I mean, I'm just speculating here, but then they, they can like track that transmission and they hear it and then they go oh. to a place. I thought they'd go to Sid. And then trap them. Or maybe they go to Sid and yeah, cause she doesn't know or yeah, she does. She was there. I don't think they go to Sid. <laughs> Omega was there. Yeah, that's true. I thought they'd go back to like maybe there's a place like they said they'd always rendezvous on the planet. Maybe it's Pabu. Oh, but maybe it's Pabu, and then that's sadly where you find out that Pabu gets destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> Not even. Well, do you have any other thoughts before uh, we close up shop here? No, that's it. I'm just excited. I'm excited they're off the base. I, I'm glad we don't have to just like see them waste mm-hmm. away for episodes and episodes right. and episodes there. So yeah, really excited to see where the story goes. I am excited too. And I hope that you listeners are excited as well. Thanks to Mrs. Force Ghost Conversations for joining us on these Bad Batch journeys, both this week and in the future. My pleasure. We'll be back uh, by popular demand uh, as we continue to discuss each and every week here, the new episodes for The Bad Batch. And for you listeners at home, we will be back next time next week. It's a brand new episode uh, talking about Bad Batch episode four, of course. And if you want to continue the conversation with us, we can be found on all the social media sites, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Hive. I think I named them all. Just search for Force Ghost Conversations and you'll find us in some way, shape, or form. And until then, may the Force be with you. Take care. Thank you.